Time for another edition of the Golf Club, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. And it's my pleasure to welcome in good friend Bob Herrick from ESPN. Bob, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How's it going? Good, Bob. Let's talk about Tampa Bay Rays attendance. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> we were talking about that off the air before we started. So there, there's so many places to start, Bob, because uh, were you in Atlanta for over the weekend? I was, yes. Okay. Um, let's start there before we get to the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup and what's next for the Ryder Cup. Um, Pat, you know, they were calling him, what, Patty Ice? Um, because, you know, off Matt, Matt Ryan, these days call him Matty Ice. But uh, Patrick Cantlay was just terrific down the stretch. And, you know, John Rahm did everything he could to try to beat him. You know, down the stretch, he had a couple putts that just slipped out. But, boy, you got to give it up for Patrick Cantlay to win two straight weeks. And how he won with some clutch putting was pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's great last two weeks. I mean, that six-hole playoffs with DeChambeau the week before, you know, where he just kept pouring and putts to stay alive when it looked like he was going to lose. And then, obviously, he gets a little bit of an advantage at the Tour Championship, and he, and he, took, it, and he took advantage, and he stayed ahead. And he, had, he played with Rom the last three rounds. That can't be easy. You know, Rom's pretty intimidating. Hits a lot of great shots. Hits it in there close. And he was never able to catch him. And so Cantlay ends up having a monster year, you know, ends up winning four times. Um, although I think that FedEx Tour Championship wins a little dubious when you don't shoot the lowest score for the week. Um, it's, it's just so kind of hard to wrap your arms around the idea of giving somebody a win for that. But the, being the FedEx champion does matter. I mean, it's a season-long thing. He, you know, he had put himself in a, in a good position to go after it, and then when he had the chance, he he uh, he got it done. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. Also, I keep going back to the memorial because uh, John Rahm had a, a six-stroke lead going into that final round when he had to leave because of COVID, and Cantlay ended up winning. Um, you know that that may have made things. It would have made things different. I assume going into Atlanta, I assume John Rahm would have been uh, the number one in the FedEx Cup points, but. Um, I mean, it was such a crazy finish in that the tournament with uh, Bryson and Patrick Cantlay, and people were calling it, Bob, like the greatest playoff over the last 30 years. I don't know. I can't think of all the great playoffs. I know there was one this year that was like seven or eight holes, but it wasn't with the, the, you know, the names of, of Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantlay, and Patrick Cantlay just kept draining putt after putt that you're like, there's no way he's making this one or getting out of this trouble, and he did. I mean, where, where do you put that playoff? Was it that great? Well, it was really, really good, but I mean, I can think of Tiger in 2000 against Bob May at Valhalla, and uh, uh, Tiger at Rocco Mediate at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Um, I think major playoffs probably would trump that, but still, six-hole playoff, and Cantlay at least four times looked like he was dead. You know, like Bryson's in there for birdie, and Cantlay's got to make like a 6-8-10 footer for par and does. You know, and, and he just kept doing that. And then, obviously, on the last hole, he was farther from, from the hole than, than Bryson was, and he made it, and Bryson missed. Actually, you know, Bryson missed chances, too. He had a lot of chances to win it outright and couldn't get it done. So, But it was still very, very good. The shots were tremendous. They both finished at 27 under. You know, I mean, Bryson took a lot of heat for not getting it done, but he played great golf that week, too. Uh, so Bryson DeChambeau, I think it was down the stretch, 14, 15, I can't remember which hole it was, when he said, Patrick, can you stop walking? I forgot. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and Paul Azinger was not happy with it. I know some other 
PGA uh, Tour players tweeted out they weren't happy with it. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, you know, this is the weird thing in golf. Stuff like that happens. Um, and what was interesting about that was many, many times players will walk ahead down the left side or in the rough of the fairway when a guy has a shot and his back is to them. And it's never a distraction for the player. There's tons of fans up there. But for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he saw him in his peripheral vision or whatever. It, you know, it got under his skin a little bit. So it's unusual. But, I mean, typically that's how, that's how they keep the pace going. And those guys were playing slow, and they were told to pick it up. And so Cantley's like, okay, you know, I'm going to make sure that I get to my ball quicker by not waiting all the way back here. And, you know, he, he can't lay even try to downplay it afterward. So it's very unusual. I mean, Bryson probably just kind of needed to suck it up there a little bit. Um, but, you know, if the guy's distracting him, he's in his right to say something. It just, it just doesn't look good when you do that. Right, and especially when it gets, gets caught on camera, obviously. That exactly. Camera, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure it's not the first player that said it, but he's a, he got caught. Like, Tiger always used to complain, you know, that, like uh, – Shots like his, you know, like in the rough or something, or something that potentially were rules violations. N- most players didn't have to go through because every one of Tiger Woods' shot is always shown on TV. And the same thing with Bryson DeChambeau right now. Obviously, he was in it was in the final group, but I feel like Bryson DeChambeau is the villain now on the PGA Tour, and I, I can't figure it out if players like him or if they don't or if they tolerate him. W- what do you think about Bryson? I think it's probably all over the map. To be honest with you. Um, uh, there's a lot of eye rolling that goes on with his approach to the game. Um, you know, the kind of the psycho babble that we, you hear out of him, uh, about various things and, you know, the science and everything. And, uh, you know, I happen to like Bryson. I think it's different. I think that's kind of neat. I'm intrigued by the one length irons that he plays with. You know, like, that makes a ton of sense if you think about it. You know, all of us who play golf, you know, there's a difference between the 9-iron and the 8-iron. There's a little bit of a difference in your stance. Well, if you don't play a lot, it's really hard to dial that in. Well, he's figured out a way to dial it in. You know, he's got the, he's basically got, like, between a 6 and 7-iron length in all of his irons, from his 4-iron to his wedge. So when he's hitting a wedge, he's hitting a, like, 7-iron length club, which is why he gets it a mile in the air. And... Nobody else does that, you know, and he's figured that out. And I think that's kind of interesting how he's gone about it. And, um, you know, his issues this year are really all self-induced. You know, um, the stuff with Kepka um, could have probably been diffused easily enough. Um, you know, he shot 44 over the last nine holes at the U.S. Open. He breaks up with his caddy in Detroit on the eve of the tournament. You know, that's, and then misses the cut. That doesn't look good. He calls out his equipment at the British Open, um, gets COVID and misses the Olympics, and then sort of doubles down on misinformation about it afterward. And that's where really things went south because he really got, you know, a lot of backlash for that, you know. And, um, you know, he's kind of stopped talking to the media over it, even though he said it. <laughs> right. You know, he said it all. Right. And, uh, and, and was very, look, to his credit, he was very honest. He's very honest about it. You know, he just said, look, you know, I, 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 I felt lucky I hadn't gotten it to this point with all the travel and everything. And then he, you know, he disclosed he wasn't vaccinated and 
Obviously, there's going to be some backlash about that. He, he, he made the misstatement about wanting to save the vaccine for others who, who need it more. And I think we all know there's no shortage. Right. So, like, these things all kind of piled up. And, uh, I, I was, and, and look, I'm not in favor of anybody taunting them out there. I think that's a bad – that's bad. That's not, that's not good for the game. And it's, and it's sort of unfair to him. Don't, don't you think it's a little over the top, though, to have the, the rule put in if someone yells Brooksy that they potentially could get kicked out of the tournament? You know, I really think that was more just sort of – like, I have a hard time seeing how they enforce it. I think it's just more a warning, like, let's try to get this under control. Because if they don't say anything, it's going to get worse. And if somebody's really belligerent, well, then they have every reason to kick them out. I agree. I mean, you can't, how do you legislate that? You know, right. Um, it's just the type of sport where there's a lot of things. There, there's close proximity. They're going to say things that are going to get heard by players. You better have thin skin. Um, you know, you can be assured that guys over the years have heard plenty. Tigers heard plenty. Phil's heard plenty. Jack Nicholas used to hear it way back in the day, you know, so um, you know, believe it or not, at one time Jack Nicholas wasn't popular, and so he caught it. And so it's it's just, and you you feed into that when you acknowledge it, and that's where he's sort of, uh, you know, not helping himself. Right. Uh, we're visiting with Bob Herrick from ESPN, all brought uh, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. And Bob, uh, Steve Stricker yesterday made his captain's picks, and I guess there maybe was one surprise, but he picked Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau. Xander Shoffley, uh, Scotty Scheffler, and Jordan Spieth. Uh, I think all six solid picks, but Patrick Reed is not on the team, and his career record at the Ryder Cup, 7-3-2. and two. Were you a little surprised? No Patrick Reed. Um, I was less surprised about Reed, but more surprised about Scheffler getting the pick. Um, Scheffler's not one on the PGA Tour, and he's never played in a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup. And that's a pretty... Those are pretty glaring omissions to get a pick. Um, and, you know, like it's very rare that a guy gets on a Ryder Cup team without having won. Uh, and uh, like Ricky Fowler did in 2010. And like I, that's the only example I can think of of a guy getting a pick without winning. Uh, but, but Stricker backed it up. I mean, he, he gave his reasons why. He liked the way Scheffler played in the match play. He beat Brom and, uh, and uh, Ian Poulter at the match play event, he, he, hit, he hits it long, makes a lot of birdies. That's good for Whistling Straits. That's probably better than Reed and, like, Kevin Na was another guy they were talking about. Like, and, and the thing with, with Reed is, all right, not only is he coming off a serious illness, you know, he just had, you know, uh, double pneumonia. Yeah, it I mean, it's terrible. amazing he played last right, week, really. Right, terrible. And played pretty well, uh, considering. But, um, you know... He has not won a team match without Jordan Spieth as his partner. Hmm. And he wasn't going to be partnered with Spieth in Wisconsin because that ship has sailed. Spieth is probably playing with Justin Thomas. They made a good pairing in Paris a few years ago. And, he, you know, he went one in three at the, in Melbourne at the President's Cup. He went one in two in Paris. The only matches Reed won were the singles. You know, so you couple that with his physical form. He's not gonna, he's not gonna play all the matches, certainly. So like, you're then just kind of bringing him in there to, to play like probably two team matches, 
And I think they figured they had somebody better, you know, that, that could handle that role. So um, I'm not that surprised uh, about that, you know, just mildly surprised about Scheffler because of what I said. But, but yet, again, Stricker made a good case for him. And if he has an idea how he wants him slotted and who he wants him paired with, that's way more important than anything else because they've got solid guys otherwise. They've got their teams you know, JT and Spieth, uh, Cantlay and and uh, Shoffley are they've played together. Um, you know, Morikawa is a rock hitting irons. He could play with just about anybody. Dustin Johnson's played well at Whistling Straits. Um, you know, Finau's a long hitter who can make a lot of birdies. Brooks Kepka if he's healthy. You've got a core of guys. Now you're just sort of trying to fit in the slots for the rest of them and and uh, and and clearly Stricker and his assistants have a role for Shuffler that they've plotted out and have yet to tell us. So uh, are we co- are we convinced that Brooks Koepka will be ready to go by uh, in two weeks for uh, for the Ryder Cup? Because I know he had to withdraw from Atlanta. That was a pretty bad um, tree root there. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, yeah. but you could not see it from you know like you know looking down at the ball. And he took a full lash at that shot and obviously caught it. And the fact that he managed to play two more holes, I think, is maybe a good sign. You know, like, in other words, it wasn't so debilitating that he was immediately out. But he's hurt that wrist before. And, you know, that those things can linger. You know, who knows what's going on in there. So it's going to be interesting to see where that stands because um, – He's not going to be effective if that thing's bothering him, uh, because you're you're gonna you're either gonna get into bad habits or it's gonna be on your mind every time. You know these guys, you have to hit down on the ball every time you, you hit a shot. You know, and even if there's not a tree root, there's it's jarring. It's the left wrist, his lead hand. So that's um, you know, we'll see. But uh, that that's that that's certainly an issue that they have to worry about and 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 it makes me wonder if Stricker knows something and and has somebody in mind to replace him just in case. Right, I mean you mentioned Scotty Scheffler who was great in, in the uh in the match play event. I mean Billy Horschel won it, right? I mean so like he I mean, yeah. he, and he's been playing pretty well. So I mean maybe he would be uh, a guy and he, he seems to I think he might annoy the opponent as much as he'll, you know, his partner because he loves to talk. I mean, just watching him in that match play, he didn't, you know, he was talking the entire time. So he might be a great person for match play. And he seems to be like he would embrace something like that. I don't know. It's just the, just the thought that Billy Horschel might be the guy. If, if Yeah, uh, I think he's, for that reason, the same with Nah. They're, they're the kind of guys that might get on your nerves a little bit, which is why they're good in match play. Right. You know, right. and they make a lot of putts, especially Horschel. You know, I, I'm a little surprised he didn't get more consideration. Uh, I think probably the body of work, you know, he was pretty far down the points. And also, him, neither him nor Na are long hitters, and that's a long course. Yep. And you still got to play singles on Sunday. You know, you, you're going to need six or seven of those guys to step up on Sunday. The U.S. has not been great in singles at the Ryder Cup lately. You know, they've lost that session n- numerous times. They... They did very well in Melbourne. They came back, you know, being down 10 to 8 and, and, and won the Sunday singles to do it. But they haven't done it in the Ryder Cup in a while. And, and so you need those guys, too. And, and uh, so I'm sure that's part of it. You know, was he going to be a force in singles as well as, well as a good partner? So, the, so, Bob, the USA is favored. The USA was also favored in the Soheim Cup. 
and lost. Do you think the uh, the men win uh, in a couple weeks at Whistling Straits to the Ryder Cup? You know they're always favored. <laughs> if you go by the world ranking, right. they're gonna be they're gonna have more guys. They just have more talent, right? I mean, it just it just. I mean, yeah. you know, certainly by results they do. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, look who's up there in the world rankings for the U.S. I mean, I know Rom's number one, uh, but you know, you've got what JT, you got uh, Dustin Johnson, right. Morikawa, um, Bryson, Brooks. Uh, those guys are all in the top ten. I think Harris English is eleventh. He's got like what six guys in the top eleven, you know. But that never seems to matter. Max play is always a great equalizer. You know, it's it's one hole at a time. It's momentum. Eighteen holes of match play does not help you separate. Uh, and you know, we, you're right. We saw it at the Solheim Cup, and you know, like half of the European Solheim Cup team hadn't even won an LPGA tournament. Amazing. And they still won, you know. And so, on the European side, it'll look like they have less ability, but they have some guys who are just so good at the Ryder Cup. Sergio, Poulter, Westwood. Those guys are all older, but they're really good. I'm sure that a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, who's not had a great year, will, will get revved up and do do great. Rory is going to be great, even though he hasn't had a great year again, you know. So. I think the U.S. will win, and I will give it to them based on, on the home course. And I really do think having youth is going to help them. You know, they've sort of gotten past some of the guys who've been around for a lot of the losing. Um, you know, they've mostly got guys on there that haven't lost much. And uh, I think that will help them. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood and was it uh, Francisco Molinari went like 5-0 and last time, right? Didn't they, weren't they insane? Uh, and the they last were, Ryder Cup, yeah, they were four and zero as 4-0. a team, and okay. Mal- Molinari was five and zero on his own. Right, and Molinari's probably not even going to be there. Wow, because he's just not—he's right. you know—he's really kind of fallen off, yep. and uh, unless he has a great last week this week, um, but you know they've got plenty of other you know firepower, uh, and again those guys seem to make putts that week. Un- it's uncanny, yeah, how many putts they make and. You know, it's interesting in the Solheim Cup, how many times did the U.S. come to the 18th hole? Obviously, if you get to the 18th hole, it matters. You're either tied, you're one down, or you're one up. Otherwise, the match would be over. And there were so many times where they did not win the 18th hole. Like where a win would have gotten you a tie, or a, or a, or a win would have gotten you a win, uh, or, or, or a win would have kept you from being tied. You know, even, even just tying the hole would have kept you ahead. And so many times they didn't win it. And that's, that's kind of what happens to the men the, the, in the Ryder Cup. They, they, for whatever reason, the 18th hole has just, you know, they don't get it done there. Time after time, you watch, matches get to the 18th hole, how many times they don't prevail. You know, uh, Bob, speaking of the Solheim Cup, I, I think it comes down to, like, stars again, right? Because, as you mentioned, if you just look on paper, the USA, I mean, they've got the number one player in the world, Nelly Korda, and you have Lexi Thompson, you've got Jessica Korda. you got so many good players on the U.S. side, and you mentioned how the Europeans didn't have had a bunch of players haven't won a tournament, but I don't think Lexi Thompson, I think she halved her match on, on uh, Monday in the singles, but outside of that, I don't think she even won a point. So, I mean, I assume going in, they were hoping that she would have at least two or three points, and, and just it felt like the stars did not come out for the USA in the Solheim Cup? No question. The stars have to have to perform 
And that's been, you know, that's been the big issue in the Ryder Cup. You know, Tiger and Phil have two of the worst Ryder Cups records in U.S. history. Jim Furyk has a bad Ryder Cup record. There's a lot of losing Ryder Cup records. And when your big guns are not getting it done, um, you know, I, I, out of all the Ryder Cups that Tiger played, and he might have had one, one or two Ryder Cups where he had a winning record for the week, you know, and you just expect more out of him. Obviously, as some of it has to do with the partner. That, that doesn't help. Um, but, uh, yeah, you need those guys to dominate. And it, 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 it has a double, doubly um, uh, worse effect because when, when they don't win, it fires up the other guys, you know, because they see it as found money. Right. You know, you go out against the, you go out against Nelly Cordo, who's number one in the world and just won the Olympics, and you feel like you're not expected to win. And then when you do, not only is that a, you know a point maybe you weren't expecting, but it just gets everybody fired up, you know. And it's and that that's the that's sort of the the interesting thing about team golf, even though you really aren't playing much as a team except for in foursomes, you know, in, in the alternate shot format, it does bleed into the other matches and, and momentum is a thing. And so um, when your top guns don't get the job done, it's, uh, it, it, hurts, it hurts twice, really. Uh, and finally, Bob, uh, Steve Stricker yesterday mentioned that uh, Tiger's hopeful that he'll play again. Um, he's obviously not going to be part of the Ryder Cup. Phil is, but Tiger won't be. But, uh, I mean, are you, are you encouraged at all that, that we might see Tiger or hear from Tiger anytime soon? You know, I, I was very intrigued by what Stricker said because all these guys know that Tiger likes to keep things very, very under wraps. And the fact that he would say that suggests to me that he knew Tiger would be okay with it. You know, I mean, and Steve Stricker used to have his agent used to be Tiger, who's, who's Tiger's longtime agent. He knows how it works. You know, they don't say hardly anything. Tiger, Tiger and his camp have said virtually nothing for months. They've given no updates. So for Stricker to kind of talk positively like that and talk about him getting back to playing golf, um, you know, I, I think. I think you have to sort of look at that as, as a good sign. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit leery, but again, like, why would he say that? You know, nobody, nobody was asking him. The, the question wasn't posed to him quite like that, and yet he came out with it, and I think that's pretty interesting. Look, he could have completely misspoke, but uh, he's been around a while. He's pretty savvy. I'd be surprised if he misspoke. So I took that as a positive sign. Now, how far away that is and – you know, when we're even going to see Tiger, I think a lot of people were hoping he'd be at the Ryder Cup. Um, I get it, though. You know, it's a lot of people. It's a hard course to walk. It's even a hard course to get around on a cart, hmm. which he would have been, you know, obviously on a cart. And then right. he runs the risk of fans being all around him. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he flew in Saturday night and gave the team a talk in the team room and could do that all, uh, you know, without anybody knowing he was there. But um, I get it why he's not going to be there. But, you know, it's going to be interesting the first time we really see him in public and how he looks and how he's getting around. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that might not be until his tournament in December, but you never know. But uh, That's probably the next point where we should be looking to see if he appears. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, Bob. Well, this is as usual. It's been great. Uh, maybe next time we'll talk a little baseball as well because uh, – <laughs> 
There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of issues on the north side right now. But hey, they're you know the, these kids, whoever they are, are uh, and they're not really kids because a lot of them are thirty already. But uh, they're not. They're not too bad right now. They're actually uh, they're competing, which is and they're kind of fun to Good. watch. So it's got some hope for the future. Absolutely. Hey, as usual, Bob. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you.